When my husband, I think it was this past Sunday, when he was reading, was it this past Sunday? Is it Second Chronicles 20? Yeah. He was reading, uh, and a portion of it just jumped out at me. When um, the Lord told Jehoshaphat, so let me, let me tell you a little bit about Jehoshaphat. So Jehoshaphat became king when he was 35 years old. So he was, you know, he wasn't the youngest king in the Bible, but um, he was only five years older than Justin when he took the throne. Thank you. And so um, in his early years, the king of Israel was very wicked. So Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. Jehoshaphat took the throne at 35 years of age because back in that day, they had the king over Israel, king over Judah because the lands were split. And so the king of Israel was very wicked and he pulled a sly one on Jehoshaphat. And so he told Jehoshaphat and he took advantage, I guess, of his, young, his youngness and his naivety when he was first king. And he said, we're going out to battle against the Mount Seir and the, the Ammonites. Some people are coming up against us. He says, hey, I'm just going to, I'm going to go out and fight. That's what the king of Israel said. So I'm not going to wear my robes. I'm not going to sit all nice and pretty and, and back in my cart, you know, or whatever they called those things, um, chariot, not cart, <laughs> chariot. He'd be offended if he heard me say that. In his chariot, he says, but you go ahead and dress in your royal robes. You stand in the cart or the chariot, and I'll go undercover, and I'll fight with the rest of the men. Well, what Jehoshaphat didn't know is that the other side, their commanders in, in the army and chief said, we're not going to kill any common men that are fighting. The only one that we're going to go after is look for the guy that's dressed up in the robe, look for the king of Israel, because they wanted to kill the king of Israel. And I think the king, the king of Israel knew that. So the only one dressed up was Jehoshaphat in his robes. And they went straight on that chariot. And Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord and said, help, help me. And all of a the sudden, they, they decided when they got close to him, you don't look like quite the king of Israel that we're looking for. And they left. God spared Jehoshaphat's life. And the Bible said that there were some things that were right in Jehoshaphat's heart. And uh, that's why God blessed him. He took care of him. Um, at the end of the day, some random guy shot, a, shot an arrow in the air. Wasn't shooting at anybody, but the arrow found its way into, guess who? The king of Israel, right in between the joints of his armor. And he died that day. He was trying to live, and he died, you know, because he, he was wicked. But Jehoshaphat, now that just had happened, so let's start reading in verse 1. Amen? Thank you, Willis. The name of my sermon is Position Yourself, and I'm going to explain to you in a minute what that means. So, chapter 20. Yeah, there's no spring. <laughs> okay. No, you're good. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people, of, with the people of Ammon and others with them beside the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, Great multitudes come, and I'm going to read really fast, against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. I don't really think it was Syria because it was more south of the sea, I believe. And they are in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Gedi is right down there by the Dead Sea. So Syria is way north in the mountains, the Golan Heights. So I'm not sure why the English translated that. It really should have been Asherim. So, but it was cool to go to Israel. I know exactly where all these, these armies are in Gedi. 
And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. That's the first thing they did that was right. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Now look what he's doing. He's actually reminding God of who he said he was and of the covenant that they had with him. Can someone turn the AC down or someone can turn the fan on behind me? It would be fine. Just don't fall in any holes up there like someone did a couple months ago. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Judah gathered together to ask help. All right, verse 6, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms and the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might? Are you not the most powerful person on earth and in heaven? And no one is able to withstand you. And I've got all these armies coming up against me. And are you not our God? You're not just God. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? I mean, he's in God's face. He's respectful, but he's reminding him of the covenant of God said, they know the covenant between him and Abraham. Abraham, And they'll dwell in it and have built your sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sore judgment, pestilence, famine, we'll stand before this temple and in your presence for your names in this temple and we'll cry out to you in our affliction. You'll hear and save. And now here, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, three different nations whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. God told the Israelites, you can't invade Ammon, Ammon, Moab, and Seir. They killed everybody else, wiped everybody else out that was against them, but they did not, God did not allow them to kill them. And he says, and now here's what we get. They're coming back to reward us for us saving their lives. Now they're going to kill us. Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, oh my God, I was not prepared for all of this to come out against me. And you're, and you're in a situation where you're like truly crying out to God, I need your help. I do not know how to fix this situation. Have you been there? In our nation today, we're in a situation like that. We're doing our tiny little part or we're doing a part I wouldn't say prayer is a tiny part, but I'm talking about the voting part, going to the poll and voting. Um, but we're in a situation that we don't know half or a quarter of really all the evil and corruption that's going on. And it's been going on for many years, and we really don't know in the natural how to fix it. And, and Jehoshaphat is in a place like that. He's like, we're in covenant with you. We did not invade these people when we had the chance to wipe them out. They're coming now to wipe us out. Armies so large, we don't know what to do. We are crying out to you for help. Amen? All right, now think about yourself here. And here they are, verse 11, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. I just went through something just recently where I've been standing on the word for something, and God gave me scriptures. He he, in my prayer time, showed me what to say, how to say it, the scriptures to stand on, and I've, and I've been doing great. I've been doing great. Until two or three days ago, 
something came against me, and it was, and it was from the enemy, came in the back door and used intimidation. I mean, a natural thing really did happen. I won't go into it. It's just the basis of the story. A natural thing really happened, and I'm like, oh, I, I was not prepared for that. I, I did not see that coming at all. And it looked like my whole thing that God had set in my lap quite a few years ago was destroyed in like 30 minutes to an hour. And looks like it may forever be destroyed. And I was bummed <laughs> for a little while. And Satan, the devil, was intimidating me. And my husband actually, I didn't say much to him. But on the way to church, he's like, don't let the devil intimidate you over this. I mean, it was a word from God. It, it, it really was because he was really what he was doing. I didn't really tell you that. But really what he was doing, he was saying, you see, this is not a part of your inheritance. You will never gain this part of your inheritance. It's only for the wicked. And there it was. Looks like that's the way it will be. But the Lord had spoken to me, and, and you, know, you, know, you know the word. You put your trust in God. You put your eyes on Jesus. I, I can't make this happen. But when he was standing up here Sunday morning, and I was just, he's talking about being a light, but he's reading this. And all of a sudden he reads, um, Jehoshaphat, verse 12, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude. I, I, I have no idea what to do here. I have no idea how to make this work. I have no idea how to revive this nation and make it what it needs to be. I have no idea how to fix this thing in my life where it seems like the devil came in the back door unawares and took this away from me, okay? He said, we have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But then what does he say? But our eyes are upon you. That is the only answer for our situations, is our eyes are upon him and the promise that he's made. Amen? That's where you need to be tunnel vision because you don't want to look at all the stuff that's going on to the right and to the left of you. And then now all of Judah, respect, respectful, with their little ones, their wives, and their children stood before the Lord, the whole nation. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of blah, 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 the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all of you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus is the Lord to you. Do not be afraid. Everybody say, do not be afraid. Not be afraid. Nor, dismayed. Nor dismayed. I don't care how this election turns out. Do not be afraid. Yes. Nor dismayed. Yes. Amen. Because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. It's God's. Amen? It's not yours. It's not yours. It's God's. Tomorrow you're going to go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. We were near there. Verse 17. You will not need to fight this battle. Position yourself. When he spoke those words, it was like God was speaking to me. 
He said, you don't need to fight. He's talking about this situation. You don't need to fight this battle. You don't need to do nothing. He said, position yourself. I said, okay. And I couldn't think of anything else he was saying from that point on. I'm like, well, what does that look like? And it's something that I have to do. And it's something that you have to do. God's not going to position you in this arena. Mm -hmm. Now, he has seated you in heavenly places in Christ. He he puts you in a particular place. That's what it means to position yourself. Put yourself in a particular place. God did the hard part. God did the God part. He put you in the heavenly seat with Christ. He says, we're seated with Christ. So he put us in that position, but the position that he's talking about here, he's like, I want you to position yourself. And here was the position. Stand still for for them. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And so the Lord spoke to me on the seat and said, position yourself. Stand still and see my salvation in this. And so then as you go on, Look what else is a part of the position. We say this, I need to take position. I need to position myself. If you get out of position, you're not going to be happy. You have to position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord and put your eyes on Jesus. Amen? All right, then it says, you'll not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear. If God has to say something to you twice, you need to really listen. Because he already said it before. Do not fear to be dismayed. Tomorrow, again, go out against them. He still told him to go out against them. But he said, you're not going to fight. If you're a man, especially, and a prophet tells you, you're going to go to war tomorrow, but you're not going to fight, but we still want you to go out against them. I'm still thinking those guys still had their swords and stuff on them and their shields. I just think like, okay, they were still ready, but they were listening to the prophet's voice and says, you're not going to have to fight, but go ahead and go on out against him. But, they, but he told them to stand still. Now in the natural, a man's not going to stand still when somebody starts running after him. And so I know in the natural, those men probably had some some things to fear. That's why Jesus, God said, fear not. Don't be dismayed. So then he goes on and says this, and Jehoshaphat bowed his, his head with his face to the ground, and Jerusalem, all of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord. Remember that. Worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Why do they have to sing so loud up there? Why, why is everything so noisy in here? I just gave you one good scripture. In the Bible, it says they sang with loud voices and they were high. So, Teresa, you're good to go. Right. <laughs> it's my Sandy Patty back there. And then it says, so they rose early in the morning, went into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, no, not Tekoa, Georgia. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, now this is what Jehoshaphat said. Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe as prophets and you shall prosper. And when Jehoshaphat had, a, had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. God is the beauty of holiness. 
And as they went out before the men, before the army, and they were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Come on, say that with me. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. During this election, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. What, what am I saying? What I'm saying is that you're exalting God. You're giving him the highest, most respect and honor because you're praising and honoring him by, by adoring him, by loving him, praising him. Praising him. That's, he said, that's the highest respect someone can give me is to praise me where I'm not. I, that's one thing he can't make you do. You give that of yourself. That's the only gift, really, that you can give him freely. That and tithes and offerings. And so give it to him. And then it says, for his mercy endures forever. We claim and we speak mercy over this nation. We claim and we speak mercy over your lives. We claim and speak mercy over your dum-dums and your doo-doos and your not-so-dum-dums when it's not your fault. We claim mercy over your situations. But look what he did. He sent the singers out. They weren't armed. I don't think they were armed. That's not really how the Levites walked around when they were singing. Trumpeteers, all, the, all them went out and started singing and worshiping God. All right? And then what happens? And the Lord did what? Now when they, now listen to this. <laughs> All right, take it however you need to. Now when they began to sing, now when they began to sing, now when they began to sing, now when they began to sing and to praise. Nothing's happening in your life if you're going to stand out here while we're leading you in praise. We're not entertaining you, and I sure ain't doing a show for you, and I'm not up there for, I am up there for my health. Actually, praise brings health. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm up there for your health too. But it said when they began to sing and to praise, when they began to sing and to praise, not just play the instruments. It says the Lord then set, he was waiting on something. Amen. The Lord set ambushes. Now listen to this. This is awesome. The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Three armies who had come against Judah and they were all defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir. So Ammon and Moab kind of joined together and said, let's kill Mount Seir people. So they killed Mount Seir people to utterly kill and destroy them. They utterly annihilated them. And when they had annihilated the Mount Seir army, then it says they helped to destroy one another. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. For three armies that are coming out, joined together to destroy Judah and Jerusalem... They turn, two of them turn on one, and then when they're done annihilating them, they decide to annihilate each other. All right. For the people, so 24, so when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, so now Judah, they're already singing. 
Judah came to the place overlooking that wilderness. They looked toward the multitude and there were dead bodies. There were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they have found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies, precious jewelry. I mean, it took them, what, three days, four days to get all of that stuff, and they prospered. Amen? Now, why, why did I read that? Well, number one, because it's Wednesday night, and you guys are kind of the cream of the crop, right? You guys are out here on tonight because you want to be here. So let's read the Bible, amen? Let's read the Word, and let's see what it's really saying. But the Lord said to me Sunday morning, position yourself. Well, what does that mean? Put my eyes on Him and start singing. What did Pastor say two weeks ago? We're going to forget, we're going to remember, and we're going to sing. I know that's kind of an oxymoron, forget and remember. We forget the things that are behind, pressing forward to the things that are, that are, that are in front of us, but there's... Crazy amounts of scriptures that also say, remember his goodness. Remember the good works he's done. Remember how awesome is his name. Remember that his hand is not short. God says it all through Psalms and all through the Old Testament. So there are some things you're to forget. It's, it's, it's the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of what you, what you did, what you shouldn't have done, whatever. But you never forget the goodness of God. Amen. You're supposed to remember that. And then sing. When they began to sing... And to praise the Lord, that's when the ambushments were set. And so it will be in your own life. I mean, this is kind of the punchline, but you need to hear it 1,500 times. When you begin, and that's what he told me, he says, you, like pastor, you need to sing, and you don't just need to sing a song, you need to sing that song. Praise the Lord. You're God, I'm not. All my honor goes to you. All my honor. You deserve all the honor. You deserve all the praise. And now your mercy endures forever. Uh, over this situation where I thought the devil had come in the back door, I don't even care. I don't even care. I just had to turn my, my head away from that and go, the words that you gave me, the promises you gave me, the things you said to me, they're still real, they're still true. And I thought it was coming this way because it looked so God. And maybe it will, maybe it won't, don't care. Mm -hmm. But God will set ambushments against the evil one around me, trying to destroy me, destroy my soul, destroy my faith. Amen? And if he can destroy me, he can destroy you. Or he can at least try. So, the election. Maybe it's not going the way you want, maybe it is, I, I don't know. But the truth is, is that I hope that everybody within the sound of my voice here or on TV online, that you all desire righteousness to prevail in this nation. And for the sex trafficking to stop, and for the abortion to stop, and for the murders of young children, body parts, selling, all of that is a shame to our ground and to our nation. It's a curse, and we want it off the land. So, so I, I don't care how God does it, but I say righteousness reigns. Righteousness reigns and the lies are exposed and the truth comes out where people can see. And so that's, that's my song and I'm sticking to it. And I'm going to, so even today as I was preparing the sermon, at the beginning of our day we were doing coffee time and we were, you know, we were looking at our phones and we're looking at the map and we're looking at this station and this station and I'm just like, and we're, we're running our mouth and going, it's just this 
Just people, those people, they're, they're just so stupid. They're, they're just wrong. You can't call that state. You can't call that state with 17, with 17 percent reporting precincts and you've already called it. You guys are stupid, you know. So we were kind of back and forth. <laughs> you know, because I, I, I'm a numbers person. I remember his number. This one's 27 percent reporting. This is 96 percent reporting. This is 98 percent reporting with a lead of 400,000 votes and you refuse to call it. This one and this one. A lead of 300 to 400,000 votes, 96% in, a lead of 400,000, and you won't call it. But you're going to call doo-doo over here that has 17% in. You, you know, so, so we were having a, not the most romantic coffee time. So <laughs> we were, yeah. So, but my husband looked at me and I, and I finally was like, absolutely, we need to sing. We need to sing. I'm getting ready to preach this tonight. I need to sing over this election. And that's, and you know, and I did. I just got up and said, the Lord is good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. All right. Now go to Psalm 107. You ready? Psalm 107. I'm talking about positioning yourself. God's not going to do it for you. He told them if they had never walked out to the end of the wilderness, right, like he had told them to, they would have never, he would have never set the ambushments against those three armies. They'd have kept coming this way if, if they had done, not done it the way he said to do it. He said, you go out, but you're not going to have to fight. You go out and stand still. I mean, that's like slaughterhouse, God, please, you know. No, if they didn't obey him, he would have never set the ambushment. They'd never gone home with the spoil. Amen? So, and all they had to do was sing and worship and say, God, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Psalm 107, I'm going to read this so fast, so I want you to listen really fast, okay? Okay. I need, I need to go to it because I probably am going to read it faster than Shante's little fingers can move. So, let me go to it myself. And um, I don't know, though, she's pretty good. I told her to keep up the best she can. All right, listen, this is God speaking. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. David wrote, moved by the Holy Ghost. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. Let, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of their distress and he led them forth by the right way that they might go into a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. That's really fast. But I know you can listen ten times faster than I can read. So that's why I'm reading fast, because I want to I hit home a point. This is your first, oh, 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 this is God speaking, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And then it goes on. For he satisfies the longing soul. Does he satisfy your longing soul? What are we longing for? It says he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. What is that thing that you desire? What is that thing you want? It says he'll satisfy that longing soul and he'll fill that hungry soul with goodness. 
Those who sat in darkness, shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons, because the rebelled against the words of God, despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down. There was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness, shadow of death, and broke their chains in pieces. Oh, verse 15, say it with me. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron too. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food. And then they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord again in their trouble. And he saved them out of their distress. He sent his word and healed them. And he delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Okay, I'm going to stop. But that's really the gist of Psalm 107. He's talking about the children of Israel. They did this, they did this, they sinned, they sinned, they rebelled. And then they're like, oh, we've done wrong. And they cried out to the Lord and he saved them out of their distresses and he brought them up to a good place, blah, blah, blah. And God's saying, oh, that you would thank me for my goodness and for the wonderful works to the children of men. I don't know, he probably says that 10 times in that chapter. It goes on and on, all the bad things. And then they sin again. Then they do idols. And then they're like, oh, we're in trouble now. The armies are against us. And they cried out to the Lord in distress. And then God says, he saved them out of their distresses because he's merciful. Yes. He says, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. So <laughs> the moral of Psalm 107 is that God really is begging you, oh, that you would thank me for my goodness and for my wonderful works to the children of men. And it's not because he's on an ego trip. But I'm going to read you something, a cool quote from C.S. Lewis. I, I don't know that I can say it any better, so I'm going to read it to you. But we're going to talk about praise and why does God need you to praise him? Why? You need to praise him. But let's talk about the natural. We're made in the image of God, Right? We're made in the image of God. Um, so let's talk about families. When I, when I, first of all, let's talk about God. He is worthy of all of our praise. Yes. He bought us with his blood. Yes. He didn't have to do that. We're forever indebted to him. We forever should praise him for his goodness and his mercy. And he wants us to do that because it brings him glory. And he says he inhabits the praises of his people. So whenever you praise him, his manifest presence actually comes in and around you. He's in you, but if you don't ever praise him, the manifestation of the things that he wants to do in your life will never come to fruition. So that, that is why, what was I saying? I was saying something before that. No, not C.S. Lewis. Yes, thank you, family. So if I cook a good dinner or I make a cake, for the kids, or I do something special, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> so I made him a pumpkin pie with pecans all over it oh, the other day. Well, it's gone because it was so good. I can make another one. But when, when you, let's say as a mom, because I'm a mom, when you as a mom, you make something, you work hard in the kitchen, you know, there's a, there's a part of that's just kind of, you know, understood that that's mom's job. But when you kind of go out of your way, you do something special, it always blessed me yes. when my sons or my husband said, thank you so much. Yes. In other words, they appreciated what I yes. did. Yes. 
Um, I'm not going to love them less if they don't say something, but it made me full of joy to receive that praise and go, it made me want to do more good things for them. And so a little more praise here going on, baby. (laughs) So Jordan, Jordan, my youngest, he, he didn't really get this from me. I trained them to say thank you. You know, when someone does something for you, say thank you. I trained all the boys to do that. But somehow he, he, he got a hold of something that he must have learned in class, in kindergarten, where they really pounded it in, or he just got a hold of it very young. He's about six or seven. He started thanking me after every breakfast, after every, any time I made anything for him, you know, lunch, dinner, breakfast, he always would come to me and say, thank you, Mom, for dinner. You know, thank you, Mom, for lunch, you know. And so it almost got to be where it was a little uncomfortable. Why are you saying that, like, every time? I mean, I'm supposed to feed my children, you know. (laughs) But it did make me feel good because he really did say it from his heart. But I wasn't a big head. I wasn't like, oh, look at me. No, I appreciated the thoughtfulness that, hey, you noticed and and, um, I want to do more. So you appreciated what I did. And so that's the same with husbands and wives. You know, when your husband does something good for you, your wife does something good for you, you know, you want to do more when they say thank you instead of like always asking for them to do something. Forever asking your spouse, hey, and it's good things. It's not bad things. It doesn't mean you're being bad. Hey, could you take out the trash? Hey, could you do this? Hey, could you loan? And you're always asking for stuff that needs to be done. And it's not bad. But if you never say, hey, thank you for doing that. Hey, thank you for doing that. Thank you for working so hard. Thank you for doing that. It just makes it a lot better. And God is like you and me. He's the same way. And he knows that that when we return that to him and say, thank you for dying. Thank you for being merciful. Thank you that I'm not dead. Thank you that we didn't die in the cabin. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, all this, God's like, thank, you know, you noticed you noticed, and I appreciate that you noticed. And so you respected him. You respect God, the highest form of respect, besides giving of your financial living, is when you, on your own accord, offer praise yeah. to him. It's the only gift that you really have, except for the other, to give him. Everything else belongs to him. Amen. I mean, your praise does too, but you don't have to willingly give it. And when you do, he loves it. Why do you think he had them do that? Sing? Praise the Lord. You're good. In other words, you're getting ready to kick booty. Hallelujah. Thank you for the goodness of what you've already done, what you're about to do. You're getting ready to kill everybody, you know? And that's how you need to position yourself. When I was in high school, I played basketball. It wasn't my favorite game. My favorite game was volleyball, and we all had our position. But in basketball, my position never changed. Volleyball, you rotate. So you're in all the different positions. But in basketball, I was the small forward. I was the, the forward under the basket. So small forward and the other one's a, a more important forward. What's the other? Yeah, power forward. And then there's the point guard and then there's the center forward and all that. But I was a small forward. So when they did see an opportunity to give me the ball, if everybody else was covered, they'd throw it to me and I'd put it in the basket. And so um, that's what I practice. And I can't... I can't tell you today that, that I always remember, I do, I'll tell you today that the coach always said this all the time. Stay in your position. Stay in your position. Don't leave. I mean, he'd yell at us all the time. Stay in your position. Stay in your position. In other words, I wasn't supposed to, if, um, if uh, Susan Potts, which was the center, 
you know, if she was like going around and out and then I'm like, I was not, even if that sinner was there, he still told me to stay in my position. You know, she was making her rounds. So that's what she's supposed to do. She did a lot of the baskets. She was really tall. But if I'm out of position, you know, then things get off. And so in, in basketball, but that's what God is saying, position yourself. Yeah. You put yourself in the position to receive. You, you do what he told them to do. Amen? And you will, it, he, the thing that Jehoshaphat said was, but our eyes are on you. So get in your position and stay in it. Amen? All right. So let's go to Psalm 149. We're going to talk about, we're talking about praise. I mean, if you, if you know very much about me, I just, that's a subject that I love. It's not just because I sing up here. It's because I live it. I don't have to have a piano to praise the Lord. I don't have to be playing my guitar to praise the Lord. I use it to praise the Lord, but I can walk throughout my house and go, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. The Lord told me about eight years ago, he said, if you would start walking through your house and loudly, with a loud voice, praise me, the whole atmosphere in this home would change and the things that are happening around you would stop because where you're praising me, I I come in with my presence, my manifest presence. And I start moving in the atmosphere and I start shutting things down that are evil. So the Lord gave me a dream about eight to ten years ago. Actually, it's over ten years ago because we've been in this house almost ten years or nine years. So this dream, I had two very vivid dreams, and I'm only going to tell you one. But this dream, and I don't have a lot of dreams. There's some, there's, there's a member in my family that has dreams all the time, and I'm like, Dear Lord, I only had three in my whole life, you know, but they were so vivid, I'd, I did not get the picture. And so in this dream, my husband and I were in the dream, and we were in a land full of sand. It was white sand, kind of like snow, but it was sand. And we were talking to, uh, some of y'all have watched uh, Star Wars with Luke in some of the earlier movies where he was in that sand plane. You remember that with the sand monsters? I don't know where that was. But anyways, we, we, we were on that plane, and that's exactly what it looked like. And I had not watched Star Wars for like 20 years. So here we are. The sand had bumps, like little bumps of hills or whatever. And we were talking to this man, and I don't know what we were saying to him. We were just talking to him. And he looked like he was the captain of something or the owner of something, or he looked not important to me, but that he was over something. And um, when we got closer to him so we could hear him, there was the, the little mounds in the sand were sand creatures. And, and, and they would pop up and they would knock my husband, they would knock into my husband and I. And so let, let me let use you, Justin, because you, you're a guy and you won't care if I knock into you. So you, you, you would be like, you would be like pastor or whatever. And, and all of a sudden, this sand creature would emerge from the sand out of nowhere. And he would just, he would do this. But he wouldn't knock us over. And, and at the same time, so stay there. At the same time, we're trying to talk to this man. We're trying to carry on a conversation. The man acted like nothing was going on. And so all of a sudden, here we go. The, 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 the monsters die down. They're back a part of the landscape. And then all of a sudden, we're, we're moving forward towards the man. And then here come three more monsters. 
and they just knock us, but they don't knock us down. And uh, I'm not going to knock you down. You can sit down. So um, the third time, they knocked us so hard that we fell down, that we fell down. And, and we got up, and we're looking at the man, and we knew that he was over these creatures. And he's like, don't worry about them. That's just what they do. That's just what they do. That's who they are. In other words, you're stuck with it. And, the, and I knew. I knew what that was about. And so the last time, they disappeared into the sand. Last time, carried on a conversation. And the, the, I call them snow sand monsters. They were so white. They, they came up. The big, the big boys were put on us, like the abominable sand man, the abominable snowman, came and threw us both down and sat on our chest. And I couldn't breathe. And my husband couldn't breathe. And at that moment, the, the Lord rose up in me as I was gasping for air. And I said, no, no, that's not how it's going to be. Get off me in Jesus' name. Get off my husband in Jesus' name. Get out of my house. Stop flooding my house. Stop raining in my house. Stop tearing everything up. Stop tearing my kids' lives up. Stop blowing our cars up. Get off me, you foul devil. I mean, that's what I said because that's what I knew that it was. And I woke up. Sand monster was gone, and I could breathe again. (laughs) And I'm like, wow, that was really, that was a dream from God. And so I got up out of the bed. And, you know, in the dream, I'm like, get off me in Jesus' name. No, that's not how that will be. Not for me. That's not how it will be for me. No sand monsters sitting on my chest. No, get off us. And they they disintegrated into the ground. I'm like, man, if I'd have known that, I'd have done that a lot earlier. So that day, that morning, I woke up and I went through my house and I did exactly what I did in the dream. And then the Lord taught me how to worship him. And everything began to change for me and the things that I was going through. I was very sick, but I started to heal and I started to mend and everything else started to mend. But, you know, I'm telling you that just because that's what happened. And God sometimes has to get a hold of you in a dream when you're quiet, you know? So praise the Lord. Position yourself. There's a little bit of authority in here. But when God shows you something, you better do it. Amen? Position yourself. So let's go to Psalm 149. This is a very short psalm. So if I read it really fast, I'll read it in two seconds. I won't read it fast. Praise the Lord. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, and his praise in the assembly of the saints. Why do you sing in an assembly? Because he told us to. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, and his praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. We're talking about praising the Lord. Let's stay focused here. I mean, I need to stay focused too. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the guitar and the harp, with the tambourine and the guitar. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing out loud on their beds. It's okay for you to sing out loud on your beds, and if one of you wants to go to sleep, go to the other room. Right? Amen. 
That happens around our house. One of us does have to leave. It's usually me that's leaving. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises, we're talking about praise again. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Shantae, go to Hebrews 12, uh, whatever that was. I don't even know where it is. Yep, 412. It says, for the word of God is alive. It's living and powerful. Say that. The word of God is living and powerful. Say it again. The word of God is living and powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Stop right there. Another version says the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So go back to Psalm 149. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing out loud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. High praises. Loud praises. High praises. Like hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And a two-edged sword in their hand. That's the word of God. To execute vengeance on the nations. To execute vengeance on the nations that are doing evil. To execute vengeance on the evil in your, in your nation. Let the high praises of God be in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hand. That's the Bible. For the word of God is alive and powerful. Every time you read the word of God, the words are living. They're not a storybook. It's not a drama. It's not a piece of literature. It's not a series. The Bible is alive. And every time you read it, it brings life to you. And it's powerful. Always look at and remember that even if you spend five minutes on a, on a morning, whatever you're reading, it's bringing life to you. And it's powerful. Jesus said the same thing. He said, my words are spirit and they are life. They always bring life. All his words, not just the one that says by his stripes you're healed. All of his words. The one that says forsake wrath. The one that says, put a deceitful tongue away from you, brings life to you if you do it. Amen? Psalm 149. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth, a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the evil in your nation and punishments on the peoples. There are people in this nation that need to be punished. It's gone way too long. And we're seeing it starting to happen now. Praise God, but a lot more needs to happen. Thank God for the kids that are being rescued right now. There's a lot more going on behind the scenes than you know. But thank God we as saints, with the high praises of God, worshiping him, telling him how good he is and how merciful he is, and and a two-edged sword, the word of God in our hand, allows us to execute vengeance on the evil nations, on the evil in our nations, punishments on the people's, And it causes us to be able to bind their kings with chains. Your mouth can bind kings with chains. And so tonight, we're going to do some of that. I'm I'm going to be an example and model to you what your house needs to look like when you go home. We don't just do this here. When Mark Hankins comes and he goes, ha, 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 he goes, praise the Lord. He's not just being weird to try to get some kind of emotional reaction out of you. 
to make you feel good. He is praising the Lord. He knows his dominion that when he opens his mouth, he's cutting something down. And when you open your mouth, you are worshiping, you're praising, you're honoring your, your father, your king, but you're also cutting evil down. You're binding their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. In the spirit. If the spirit has to be bound, and then you'll see it in the natural where they'll be gone. Amen? To bind their kings with chains or nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the written judgment, dishonor, have all his saints. You are honored with this honor. If you'll do what what the children of Israel did with King Jehoshaphat. It's not hard. God just said, position yourself. Stand still, see the salvation of God. And Jehoshaphat said, sing. The Lord is good. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. That's not a hard task. You just need to get up off your spiritual lazy duff. We, not you, we just need to get up off of our spiritual lazy duff and do it. It's, you're not waiting for a feeling. Just do it. So here, tonight, just for a minute, stand up. Father, we thank you. We praise you. The Lord is good. The Lord is good, and your mercy endures forever. We praise you. We worship you. We honor you. We give you glory. We give you praise. You're due all of the glory. You're due all of the honor. We praise you for the answer. We praise you for the outcome. We thank you for righteousness. We thank you for your goodness. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We position ourselves in praise. We thank you. You're a good God. You answered our prayers then. You're answering them now. And you're answering them in the future. Praise God with a loud voice. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. All right. Praise God. Okay, you can be seated. That's all right. You can be seated. That's your exercise for tonight. I get you guys up and down and moving all around. Amen. We're almost done. In Psalm 8, it says that out of the mouth of babes, thou hast ordained strength. And over in the New Testament, Jesus is looking back, quoting Psalms. And it says, out of the mouth of babes, you've perfected praise. So what's the difference? There's no difference. Praise swaps with strength. When you praise the Lord, the strength of God comes in you to do the work that needs to be done. Out of the mouth of babies, babies, babies will just worship God. They'll just worship God in the purest form. They start hearing that music, not any music, but the, the word, the, something that's full of life. And Jesus, they'll just start doing this. Out of the mouth of babes, you've ordained strength, Psalm says. And Jesus said, you've perfected praise. So basically saying, be like a baby. Fill your mouth with praise and the strength will fill you up. Amen. That one was free. Um, <clears throat> Then let's go to Luke 19. 
I, I've never seen this happen, but I think I would like to. Jesus said it would happen, but I don't want it to happen on my account. Then as he was drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. They were praising God with a loud voice, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to shut up. Did you know that there's religious people that are saying today what the Pharisees said back then? When people are always trying to get you to shut up, why do you have to be so loud? Why do you have to be so boisterous? Why do you have to sing so loud? Why do you have to shout? Well, you know what? They don't read their Bible. Because if they really respected and loved God, they would read their Bible and they would see that he's commanding them to shout and praise God with a loud voice. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, these kids, these were kids and other people, but they they were kids saying, praise, Hosanna. These were little ones. And, and And he was rebuked by the Pharisees and he said, no, he said, I tell you that if these little ones keep silent, if you keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. If we don't praise the Lord, he'll cause the rocks to praise the Lord. And as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Verse 42. Can you, is there a verse 42? I'm not even there. Anyways, it, said, uh, what, it says something about the fact that verse 42 says that if they had only known the peace that had come to them. That's what it said. He wept over the city because he said, if you'd only known that peace had come to you and you'd have received it. But they did not. So let's go to Psalm 50, 23. Whoever offers praise glorifies me. Again, the word offer means you're offering it. He's not making you do it. Whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Oh, man, I left my phone in my office. Who would like to go get my phone for me? It's either in my little blue purse or it's just sitting right on the desk. Justin, would you run get my phone? Oh, Jeannie's on it. I want to read this quote to you from C.S. Lewis. Um, But in this Psalm 50, do you have the NLT? Do you have the NLT translation? Uh, Yes, no? No? Uh, I wanted to read. Or the NIV? There you go. But giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. So whenever you're offering praise, you're actually, God said, I don't, I don't, I don't want, I don't desire the sacrifice of bulls and goats. He used, 
He used the sacrifice of bulls and goats. But he says, what I really desire is the sacrifice of praise and giving thanks. Giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. Let me read to you a beautiful way on, on how important praise is and what it means. Amen? Just give me a second here, and I will find myself. Why would God want us to praise him and worship him? This is a question I hear every so often, we, every so often since we immediately assume a person who demands praise is a pompous big head. I think there are many Christians out there who secretly wonder about this, afraid to ask the question, lest they be thought unspiritual, but bothered all the same. God is completely self-sufficient. He doesn't need our praise and worship. However, he does deserve it. Would you agree that it is right and good to praise someone who is worthy of praise? We instinctively know this and praise people for all sorts of achievements. We praise the people we love and admire, and it is not right or good for us to withhold praise from them. If you're doing something good, praise somebody. Amen? We know that inherently. We all understand the concept of praise being due certain people. Imagine that you crafted an incredibly beautiful sculpture and you won a prestigious award for your creation. But when the time came for you to receive the award at the ceremony, they gave the prize for your sculpture to the wrong artist. That would not be just, right, or good. In the same way, God, as the only being perfect in goodness, justice, and love, is worthy of our praise. We do, in fact, owe him that praise. He wants us to praise him because it's right and it's good for us to do so. Since God wants us to do right and good things and have right and good things, of course, he wants us to praise and worship him. Beyond the praise being right and good, because it is right and good, worshiping God also brings us joy and enhances our relationship. If I uh, say something nice to Tracy, and I do about her earrings, she, she wears the cutest earrings. They're big and they're flashy and they look really good on her. You know, it actually, thank you, Justin. <laughs> For doing that for her. It actually enhances our relationship. You know, I don't just walk by and not say anything to her. I, I actually am not trying to get anything from her. I just really like it, and so I say something, and we have a good relationship. It enhances our relationship. It makes her feel good. She doesn't have a big head because I said her earrings were beautiful, <laughs> but it makes her feel good. She'll probably wear them again because there's nothing wrong with that. Amen? Right. Amen. All right. So... Here's how we see this in human relationships as well. Think of a man and his wife. Doesn't it bring him great joy to praise her or bring her great joy to praise him and honor him? So, listen, it's much better to say good things to people Amen. and about people and to keep your mouth shut on all the other. Amen. There's a way to talk to your spouse and people that you're in relationship with, not just your spouse but your children. There's a way to talk to them. And you have to learn that way. If you, knew, if you weren't taught, you have to read books. You have to learn how to speak kindly and, and get the point across or how to have conversations without trashing each other and how to say a lot more good and praise them more than criticize. Amen? Uh, criticism never enhances anybody's relationship. And if you're always complaining to God about what's wrong in your life and why things aren't the way you think they should be, it does not enhance your relationship with God. Right. 
But the minute you praise him for all the good that he has done, for all the prayers he has answered, for the prayers he is answering right now and the prayers that he's about to answer, it will enhance your relationship with the Lord. That's a much better route. Amen. Here is what C.S. Lewis said. So he's a deep thinker, but I am convinced he had a very good relationship, a special relationship with the Lord. Not someone I really follow, but every once in a while, I do like to read after him. He said this, I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. The world rings with praise. Lovers praise their mistresses. Readers praise their favorite poets. Walkers praise the countryside. Players praise their favorite game. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join with them. People praise what they value. When you praise God, it shows God that you value Him. And when you praise someone else or something else, it shows that you put value on that person or that thing. I think I've been praising my swimming pool because I talk about how much I like it. (laughs) Maybe I should not praise my swimming pool too much. I should praise the person that helped me buy it. Thank you, honey. All right. Um, so, So I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that's magnificent? The psalmist is tell, in telling everyone to praise God are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. My whole more general difficulty about the praise of God depended on my absurdly denying to us as regards the supremely valuable what we delight to do, what indeed we can't help doing about everything else we value. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but it completes the enjoyment. It is an appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until they express it. And when they express it, it's consummated. The joy is complete. So when you lift your voice and you praise God, you are are completing the joy that you have between the two of you. Amen? And so tonight, as you go home, I want you to walk through your house. No matter what you see, I mean, I'm bringing this in because we're in the middle of what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. But it can, it can mean for anything. Amen. I want you to walk in there and just start doing what Jehoshaphat told his people. Praise the Lord Amen. for your good and your mercy endures forever. What you're saying is, you're God, my eyes are on you, yep. my faith is in you, and it's not in myself. And now I'm saying, thank you for having mercy on my land, on my life, on my family, and I thank you for it. And you will see your whole attitude and your whole everything around you change regardless of what's being pumped out there and that's right or wrong. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this night. We praise you. We lift our hands. We lift our voice to you. And we thank you for every good thing. We thank you for every good thing in us because of you. We thank you for who you've made us in Christ. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you 
for this world that you've made. You said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so since it's yours, I'm your daughter, it's mine too. And I take dominion over it with you. And I thank you for all that you've done for us, all that you have accomplished us, all that you've kept us from the evil one. And you've brought us through the valley of the shadow of death. And you're not about to stop now. And we praise you and glorify you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.